Well, good morning, everybody. If we've not met yet, my name is Nick. I'm one of our pastors. I mean, it's such a privilege to get to be with you today, especially on a day like Baptism Sunday, which you've already heard us talk about together. Come on, is there any place better than Sunday on a Baptism Sunday here at Heartland? Yeah. Let me tell you, I feel so privileged to get to be a part of that, especially for all of you who have decided already that today is the day that you physically represent what that song just said. Going under the water and coming back up, representing a death, burial, and resurrection, saying, God, you have my whole life. I recognize my need for you. You can do whatever you want to do with it. You're going to see that today. But what I'm really excited about is that for some of you, you showed up thinking it was going to be another normal Sunday at church, but God has already started working in your heart, and today is the day that you're going to get baptized, and that you publicly say, God, you can take my whole life. You see, baptism is such a beautiful representation about what we've been talking about this entire month. We started at the beginning of the month in John chapter 15, verse 5, and I want to take you back there, but real quick, if you're following along at home today, uh, all of the notes and the scriptures and everything we're going to talk about today, you can get that by texting the word notes to 68,000 right now. And if you don't want notes today, then we'll just pray for you and you can figure it out this week uh, on your own. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus is speaking and he says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me remains close to me, remains connected to me, doesn't just go to church more or go through the growth track. Those are all great things, but those who stay connected to me personally, they'll bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Baptism is such a beautiful representation of abiding because it's people coming forward and saying, no, time out. I know who I am. I know who I'm not, that I'm the beloved child of the most high God. It says in scripture that God blesses those who recognize their need for him. It's the idea that God, I'm putting my whole life out in front of you, that God, you can do whatever you want to do, the cross before me, the entire world behind me. It's what Jesus actually did at the beginning of his ministry. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is getting ready to start his ministry, and he's done nothing yet. He's healed nobody. He hasn't divided the fishes yet. He's done nothing. And he goes to John the Baptist, and he says, John, I need you to baptize me. And John the Baptist is flabbergasted by this. This is like Michael Jordan looking at you and me and saying, hey, can you teach me how to shoot a three-pointer? Like, can you help me with that? Ridiculous. I don't know nothing about basketball. And so John protests, he says, no, I I can't baptize you. Jesus goes, no, 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 it's proper for you to do this right now, to fulfill all righteousness. It's actually proper that I do this because I want the world to know before I do anything where my source is. Do you see this? Where I'm abiding in. And so Jesus is baptized, and it says this in Matthew chapter 3. It says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Don't miss this. It's like the Spirit of God came down and filled Jesus in this moment. I'll tell you this right now. You're going to see this on display today when people get in these tanks. They're going to go under the water, and I can't explain it to you, but they're going to come up, and it's like the lightness and the freedom of God. I just feel like I'm so in tune with your spirit right now, and I'm honoring you with what I want to do. It's so humble to do that. He goes under the water, and when he comes up, look, a voice from heaven came and said, this is my beloved son, whom I love, and I'm well pleased. Do you see 
the identification in this. That Jesus humbly, at the very beginning of his ministry, steps into the waters, and as he's baptized and he comes up, God looks at him and says, nobody get it twisted. That's my kid. I love him. And not only do I love him, not only is he beloved by me, I am well pleased with him. Notice the order of events. You've done nothing yet, and you're my beloved son. You've accomplished zero, and I love you, and I'm well pleased in you. I see some vacant stairs. Let me give you an example of what this uh, looks like. I've got two little boys in my house right now. I've got a three-year-old named Graham, and I've got a one-year-old named Mac. These are my little boys uh, right here at Halloween. The Buzz Lightyear costume's not come off, in case you want to know. It's January, and we're still batting a 1,000 on the Buzz Lightyear costume. <laughs> Amazing little boys. I love them to death. Here's what I know to be true about them, that right now they're little, but someday they're going to grow up. Someday they're gonna assume new titles. Like someday, God willing, they will grow up and they will become parents themselves and they'll have kids of their own. God willing, they will be contributing members of society. We're praying for the youngest that that would be true right now. He's either gonna change the world or burn it down. It's one of the two. There's no in between. And here's the crazy thing about this. They're going to get all these new titles, but the one title that will remain true no matter where they go, no matter what they do, is that their dad is Nick. Their dad is Nick. Like, it is Graham, son of Nick. It's Mac, son of Abby. Like, they can go anywhere, do whatever they want to do. They may decide, I don't want Nick to be my dad anymore. Actually, I want Pastor John to be my dad because he sings really well. I want him to be my dad. My dad sounds like a donkey. Like, I I don't want to do that. And he can't change it. He's still always going to be my kid. Like he'll always be mine. And you know what's crazy about this? Parents, you get this and you don't really understand it until you become a parent where you're like, okay, and you know what's nuts? None of their performance dictates my love for them. Now, don't get it twisted. They're a bunch of meat rocks, okay? They, they get in trouble all the time. They wail on each other. They do stuff. You're like, I'm out of my mind right now. And there's never been a day where I've not loved them. My oldest, Graham, the other day looked at me and said, Dad, you remember when I was a baby? I was like, you mean like yesterday? Yes, I, I told him, I said, I not only remember when you were a baby, I actually was there the day you were born. And it's so crazy. I watched you take your first breath. Like, it's just crazy. Like, literally, he was not breathing in the womb, and then he just starts breathing. Like, I saw that moment when that happened. I've known you your whole life. Friends, the voice of your heavenly Father to you today is this. You are my beloved child. And whether you believe that or not, notice this, that doesn't determine if you are his child or not. He sees you as that. Come on, the same voice that tells Jesus, I delight in you and I'm pleased with you, is the same voice that God is speaking over you today. So the question that every single person is going to have to grapple with and answer in their life is this big question, who am I? And I'm here to tell you this morning that before anything else can be said about you, the only true and appropriate response, whether you feel it or not, is this. I am the beloved child of God. That I am. That he's known me since before I was born. He knows the numbers of hair on my head. And so today I want to try something. Actually, I think this is good for us to do this. I'm going to ask you a question. Who are you? And I want you to actually say out loud, I am the beloved child of God. Can we do this? Okay. Who are you? Okay, do you feel how monotone that was as we just did that? 
I anticipated that response because here, here, here's the truth. I think many of us, if we were deeply honest, we, we, we know that, but we don't believe that. Like I know that, I've gone to church, I've been through a freedom group, I understand that, and I still don't believe that I'm the child of God. Like I don't feel that. And if you feel that way, can I tell you, you're not alone because can I just tell you, the same voice of the enemy that comes after Jesus is still alive and active today. What have we been learning about in this series? There's a still small voice that is louder and more true than any other voice out there. And yet it gets drowned out by other places that are coming for your identity. So Jesus, not even nine verses later, God has opened up heaven and said, that's my son who I love and I'm well pleased in. Nine verses later, the devil, the tempter, comes to Jesus and he says this, if you are the son of God, come on, didn't his dad just tell him who he is just a few minutes ago? But if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. A lot of people think that the temptation here is trying to get Jesus to break his ketogenic diet. This ain't that, Jesus is pro-carbs, okay? No, it's an assault on Jesus' identity of who he is. If you are the son of God, then prove it. If you are the son of God, do something spectacular so people will say something good about you. If you are the son of God, then man, you better have the approval of it. You see what I'm saying? Underneath it, we've been talking about this and I'm not gonna belabor it today, but there's a great lie that's coming for you and me when it comes to the source of our identity and it's this. Henry Nouwen talks about this. It's that I am what I do or I am what others say or I am what I have. And can I tell you, the undercurrent of all three of those is this. Prove it. Prove that you're good enough. Prove that you have what it takes to get it done. Prove that you are what other people say about you. Prove that you've accumulated enough stuff. I don't know about you, when I wake up in the morning, I have the words prove it like tattooed inside my eyelids. Wake up, let's go, come on, what are we gonna do today? What are we gonna accomplish? What are we gonna get people to say about us? And the problem with this, and you know this, we've talked about this at great length, is this, is that if my identity is in any of this, come on, it's shaky. That if my identity is in what I do, I'll never be able to do enough. If it's in what other people say, come on, the court of popular opinion is fickle and it's lonely. And if it's in what I have, can I tell you, you will never have enough to satisfy your soul. You will never, and, and listen, don't just take my word for it. I, I promise you this, if we would just open our eyes to this great lie, Tim Keller talks about this idea that there, there's all these portrayals of the devil in demonic activity. And some of them are very real and you see it in movies where people are demon possessed. Those are all rear guard attacks. Front guard attacks are the scary ones that come underneath the surface that I live my whole life not knowing that this is what's happening to me. So I live my life for the approval of others or trying to get enough or do enough. And you know what's so crazy? There's this belief that, well, that's what culture is trying to impress upon us. And that's partially true. But open your eyes. Culture is telling us that that's a lie too. Um, let me illustrate it this way. Post Malone. Some of you know him. Yes, you've heard his music. Some of you are like, I'm a church. I can't admit to listen to Post Malone. <laughs> well, you're all a bunch of liars and you have. And I know you have. Because he hits, man. It's good. Okay, so Post Malone. <laughs> Wrote a song, he's one of the most successful artists of our decade. Writes this song and in it he says this. He said, all the stunting couldn't satisfy my soul. Real quick, stunting, if you don't know what that means, find a teenager, this is a safe place. We can learn together in proximity. All this achieving, all this trying to get all this stuff, it couldn't satisfy my soul. I got a hundred big houses and I still feel alone. 
the number 20 song on the iTunes charts today. You know what it is? It's a song by Billie Eilish called What Was I Made For? Y'all know that song? Yeah, I know you know that song. I won't ask this side of the road. I know y'all know that. You know it because it's actually pretty catchy. It hits you, man. It's good. The title of that song is not, I guess this is what I was made for. What is it? No, I chased it. And I went after it. And I got everything I thought I wanted. And I still don't know what I was made for. Do you see this? Culture is screaming this at you. Saying it's still a lie. And it's still not fulfilling what you thought it would. And I promise you this, this isn't just non-Christians, this is Christians as well too. I don't have time to belabor this today, but there's a stream of Christianity that would tell you, you never say it out loud, but you would say, hey, I'm so grateful that Jesus died for my sins, but now I've got to prove that I'm worth him dying for me. And so I'm going to do a bunch of activity trying to right the wrongs that I've done in my life. And Jesus is like, dude, I already proved it for you. Like I already came for you. I already did that. In fact, for some of us, we're living out of those three right now. And I would venture, and I hope this gets in your space a little bit today, that you might be holding an unbiblically low view of how much God loves you, how much he cares about you. The Apostle Paul, he writes about this in Ephesians, the love of God for you. And I think if he was here in the room, he'd grab you by the shoulders and he'd shake you till you believe it. Go read Paul. He would do it. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, God is so rich in mercy. Come on, let these words fall over you. God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, Nick explained that, dead because of our sins, even when you thought you could run your life better than God, even when I was in the driver's seat, while I was a long way off, he gave us life. There's nothing I did, he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God's a giver, he gave that before I was ready to receive him. And he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Not by anything that you've done. Think about that. He continues on and he says this. God saved you by his grace when you what? When you, when you did enough. When you finally did that version Bible for the whole year. Way to go, man. That's No, 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 no. When you believed. When you believed. When you humbly came before God and said, God, I recognize my need for you. I'm so broken. I'm done faking this. God, I need you. What does it say? It says that he saved you by his grace when you do that. And it's a gift that you can't take credit for. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done. <laughs> so no one can boast about this. Can I tell you, the gospel of Jesus is so offensive to people that are not humble. Because the humble can receive this. They go, yeah, I get it. I can't boast in that. I couldn't do it on my own. The church people that would say, no, in all actually, like, you know, I teach Bible study, right? Like, you know, y'all, some of you went to church with that guy. You know, I, I taught Bible study. I've been around forever. I gotta save the youth. You know, all that, you, you know these people. You remember the older son and the prodigal son? He's all huffing and puffing because the younger son's back. What does he say to him? He says, oh, don't get it twisted. You've always been with me and everything I have is yours. Translation, if you think that your standing as my son is based upon what you're doing for me, oh, you got it so backwards. I love how Dr. Ivan said it. In the 21 days of prayer, he said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You know what that means? That means this, that when I see you, I actually don't see the good or the bad you do. I see you as my beloved child. And I wish you'd see yourself that way too. What have we been talking about this whole last year? Who you are becoming more important than what you're doing. So what, I can go do whatever I want? No, 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 no. What he's saying is, I see the process that you're on and I can look ahead to your future and I see the person that you are becoming. 
And come on, if you would abide in me and get close to me, stop focusing on external behavior and just get close and watch as I change the desires of your heart. Do you see this? Watch how he concludes this. And I hope if you don't hear anything else today, you hear this. He says this, for we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. I'm God's masterpiece. In the world we live in today where content is just being poured out daily, there's new music, new art, new everything coming out. We don't think about masterpiece a lot, we think about what's coming next. Listen, an artist will spend their whole life working for a masterpiece. They'll produce thousands of paintings and books and songs and and all these things to get the one where they go, oh, that's the masterpiece right there, I created that. And when God looks at you, he sees that. Do you see yourself that way? God sees you that way. You are God's masterpiece. Jacob Dodd, you are God's masterpiece. You can put your head down and not look at me, but I'm telling you right now, you are God's masterpiece. And dude, he's known you since before you were born. And he's known you when you're like, dude, I'm killing it right now. And he's known you when you've ashamed of yourself. And he still loves you. And you're still his masterpiece. He spent time on you. It says it right there. I'm looking up at it. So you can do the good things he planned for you a long time ago. God's got so much ahead of you. And you know what's amazing? It has nothing to do with what you're doing, but it's who you are. O'Neill girls, he feels the same way about you. I could walk around this room and talk to every single person here. Aaron, you are the beloved child of the Most High God. He loves you. He sees you. He knows you. Jennifer, you are the beloved daughter of the Most High God. He cares about you. Mike, I've known you for two years. I can't even pronounce your last name. It's so hard. I, I wish I could. I can't do it. You know what's amazing? God knows how to say your last name. (laughs) And he's known you your whole life. And man, he knows how good of a dad you are and how good of a small group leader you are and how good of a beloved child of his you are. And I hope you never forget it. I'm telling you right now, stop trying so hard. Just become the beloved child of God. Abide in me, get close to me. Come, come learn the unforced rhythms of grace because there's, there's some in here, you would sit here and you go, that sounds great, but I still don't believe it. I'm so tired of just trying. If that's you, just listen to the words of Jesus, what he wants to say to you today. He says this, he says, are you tired? Yeah, Jesus, I'm tired. You tired of trying to prove it and make it happen under your own might? Yeah. Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Yeah, God, you know it. Then come to me, just abide in me and get close to me. Come on, get close. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to have a real rest. Praise God somebody for that. that I'll teach you. You know what this looks like? It looks like when I wake up in the morning, I am secure in the fact that I am the beloved son of the most high God. That before I even woke up, his mercy and goodness were chasing after me all the days of my life. That God, you're with me and you're for me and you delight in me. Look at this last one. Keep company with me. Stay close. Come on, stay connected to the right source. And watch as you learn how to live freely and lightly. Free and light. I think for some of you, if you could pick two words for your life right now, you'd say, I need to feel free and I need to feel light. Can I tell you, coming close to God is as simple as going, God, I need you. And today you're going to watch people. I'm telling you, you're going to watch people by the dozens get in this tank saying the cross before me, the world behind me. I'm living in the freedom of what God's done for me. I don't have to prove nothing to nobody. He proved it for me. And there's others of you 
that you would sit here and you'd go, man, if that's true, Nick, I need that. Can I tell you, you didn't know you were going to get baptized today, but God knew you were going to get baptized today. It's not an accident that you're here. You didn't know you were going to get baptized today. We knew you were going to get baptized today. And so we've planned accordingly and come up with an excuse. We got everything that you could possibly need. We got shirts and Nick, I don't have any uh, shorts. We got shorts too. Nick, I only brought one pair of underwear. Praise God, we got underwear for you. We got all kinds of stuff, whatever you need. But Nick, my hair, like if it gets wet, it just, it just is some type of way. Can I tell you, we got every, our, our team has prepped so thoroughly for you. And let me go one step further. If you really were able to grasp and believe the depth and the magnitude that God is proud of you and he loves you, who cares about your hair? Come on, I need that. I don't know about you, I need that in my life. I'm the beloved child of the most high God. And in just a moment, I want to invite some people to come forward and be baptized, to say the cross before me and the world behind me. But before we do that, I want to pray for someone in this room who I know is sitting here and you say, I feel so tired. I feel like I've been working and working and working. If that's you, come on, I want to pray for you. Father God, I love you and I thank you for my brothers and sisters. God, you see their pain. God, you see their needs. But God, more importantly, you see them as your beloved children. And so God, I want to lift up anybody in here that would say, I feel so far from God and I need him. Come on, if that's you and you say, Nick, I need God, just say these words with me. Just pray this to God out of the sincereness of your heart. Just say this, say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, I'm sorry for doing things my own way and for holding you at a distance. But I believe you died for me so that I could live. Come on, if that's you and you're praying this prayer, you say, Nick, I'm praying right along with you. Just raise your hand across this room. I want to pray with you right now. Yeah, all over the place. Yep, in the back top. Come on, God's moving in this place right now. Don't miss this. Come on, if that's you and you get your hand up, say these words with me. Say this. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you come in and change me? Help me to never be the same. Father God, I praise you for every person that just prayed that prayer. God, they are your beloved children, and I pray they would feel that right now more than they've ever felt it in their entire life. God, would you draw close to them and give them the courage to take the next step that you're calling them to. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship you, and we honor you. What a privilege to praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we all said together, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's congratulate everybody that made that decision. That's amazing.